Hey, what is up, nerds? Guess what I want to tell you about. Have you ever listened to the show and you thought to yourself, man, I want to wear what they're saying. Well, folks, we have that for you right now. That's right. All the content that you're hearing on the show and original content is located at the merch at nerdonomy.com. That's right. We have t-shirts. We have things that are made in the U.S. Support the Nerdonomy. Support the U.S. Just wear our stuff. Awesome. Listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, and Sarah Ashley. Why is it that whenever we do fantasy movies or like things that take place in like far off lands, people always speak with British accents? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Why do they do that? No idea. I can only guess because uh, it sounds foreign. Um, it, it's just different. It's different than what the Americans are used to, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Was it that Eddie Izzard says that uh, British plays? Play, the British play bad guys in movies because of the Revolutionary War. Uh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, not to say that, like, the Empire in Star Wars, for example, is all... Right. I think it was more convenient because they were shooting in England when they were making that movie. Mm-hmm. But, um... But, like, something like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, you know, like, especially in the fantasy genre. Like, why do they have British accents? And I wonder, you know, like, in places like... Mexico, if they're making fantasy movies, do they have like Spanish accents? Like they're talking in the same language, but oh, like in their Castilian or whatever. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I know. I find that very. I just find that very interesting. Do, yeah. do other countries do this? Well, I guess if you're going to take it place in Europe, mm-hmm. and you're going to do it in English, yeah, it's the closest thing that you can connect it to. I mean, it's like Gladiator too. Gladiator. Everyone in that movie had a British accent, right? But why they were in Rome? Yeah, I don't you know. know. I'm trying to think if there's any, like, movies that take place in, like, Asia where they use that, and I don't think they do. They don't, but I do remember when I watched the dubbed version of Crouch, Tiger, Hidden Dragon, mm-hmm. they used largely British actors. British voice actors. Yeah. Uh, or, it, well, some of, this, of them, they tried to, to minimize the accent, but it was definitely noticeable on some of the actors. And some of the actors were American that they used but it had a very european kind of feel to some of the characters in it isn't it i just i don't know sorry that was a really random thought i think it was because my roommate was watching game of thrones today as i walked by and i'm like why why do they do that i don't know um i I guess also because the i mean the fantasy genre itself draws so much influence from medieval england anyway yeah that is true or just i guess from europe in general but yeah i'm sorry that was totally random thought but hey that's okay it opened things up (laughs) yeah that's that's right you know we would expect the english major to ask those kind of questions right right we're just asking about random freaking details i was what was i watching oh you know what we were doing last night my current roommate and my old roommate and i were actually watching clueless last night as a drinking game (laughs) interesting it was awesome so what were the rules so uh any single time you had to drink anytime somebody uh used a cell phone um which apparently i'm really good at catching background characters on cell phones and noticing random little details like that um any single time somebody hits on share every single time share and josh bicker um every single time share squeaks grunts or whines josh is paul rudd's character paul rudd's character yeah super cute in that movie Anytime Cher uh, displays bad driving, and every single time her dad yells or something, popularity is mentioned, or and clueless is said. Gotcha. So those were the those are the clueless drinking game rules. Did and you know that that's actually an adaptation of Emma? 
I did. It is a, an adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. In fact, I was just about to say that. Oh, my God. I was taking a script analysis class mm-hmm. in the recent past, and when I heard that, I was jaw-dropped, and then I realized, wait a second, it makes total sense when you see the, the two stories back-to-back. Right, right. The two arcs are almost identical. Mm-hmm. It blows my mind that something as advanced, or something we consider as sophisticated as Emma would be redone as something that we don't really consider as very sophisticated at and all. I, I think that's what made it so interesting. I think that was kind of the play on it. And it's something that you don't necessarily realize when you're a kid, but when you go back and rewatch the movie, it's actually kind of a smart script and it's very funny. Yeah. Um, and it has like a lot of just really kind of subtle jokes and a lot of things that I just did not catch when I was a kid. So. Yeah. It's weird because I, when I think about that era, it was only a couple years after that they started to do the modern updates of Shakespearean stories. Like they did 10 Things I Hate About You as Tammy and the Shrew and O as the retelling of Othello. They weren't hiding it as much. I mean, it was very clear that this was an adaptation of this story, but they didn't really market it that way with Clueless. It was just kind of its own thing. When they made that movie, they were pretty much getting people who are virtually unknown. I mean, at that time, Alicia Silverstone was like the Aerosmith girl because she'd Mm -hmm. been in a bunch of Aerosmith music videos. So I think the marketing on that was probably going to be very different of just, here's a bunch of unknowns in a really fun movie. Yeah, the only only person they could really sell that movie with was the director, Amy Heckerling. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because she had done a couple of comedies at that point. But uh, speaking of Shakespeare conversions and reworking classics, I guess they, uh, and I posted up this article on our blog roundup last week, but uh, they're taking, oh god, I'm trying to remember right now which which Shakespeare show they're doing. But they're doing a Disney movie musical based off of um, Shakespeare again. Oh, it's we're just not sure which one it is. That's what it is. Um, but there's a theory that it might be Midsummer. I think Midsummer is the most Disney appropriate of the well, stories. They've kind of already sort of done Hamlet. If you count the Lion King, yeah. there's, there's that theory that the Lion King is um, has some Hamlet influence. Not that it's a direct. You if know. it is, it's a very liberty taken yeah, story. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, it, it's it like that's what I'm saying. It's not direct, but you know, definitely having the uncle killing the father. You kind of have Timon and Pumbaa as the, like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern type characters, except they're on the good guy side, not yeah. really. You know, I was under the impression the like, almost everything that the that Disney has done for their feature animated movies has been an adaptation of something, and I was under the impression that the Lion King was an adaptation of some form of story. I don't know if it comes from Africa or if it comes from you know, like I'm a not sure. kid's book or a short story or whatever it was. I'm not sure. Funny thing, though. Okay, another random thing I noticed, kind of along the same lines of weird British accents. <laughs> in most Disney movies... The villain is British? Well, no, not not that. But, okay. like, you look at The Lion King and, you know, everything's very... It takes place in Africa and there's a lot of African influence in the music, right? Uh-huh. You look at Beauty and the Beast, it takes place in France... And there's like a little bit of French element to the music, you know? You look at Hercules and you have gospel singers. Something I never quite put together. And then... Um, I can make a connection. Oh, can you? I can. So gospel music is definitely definitely done in choir, right? Sure. Greek chorus. Okay. All right. I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Okay. Still, I think that's a bit of a stretch. It's a bit of a stretch, <laughs> but it's a modern parallel that you can sure, try to... Because sure. what other choirs would you listen to and like go, oh, that's interesting. You're yeah. not going to... If you hear the Vienna Voice Choir doing it, it's not going to be... No, but I mean, but the, like, the music itself isn't like Alan Menken doing... That wasn't Alan Menken one, right? I think that was. Um, doing like something with Greek music influence, you know, with modern Greek folk music. Trouble is we don't know what ancient Greek music sounded like because yeah. none of the sheet music exists. I know, I know, but yeah. you could but you could still do modern, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know if it would be quite for the American palate, but sure. 
you know. Here's the other thing I also can't figure out. Where the hell does Little Mermaid take place? What country is that? It's an excellent question. I have no idea. And the funny thing is, is actually... Um, Wasn't Hans Christian Andersen Swedish? I don't know. Or Danish. Maybe he was Danish. Look it up. You got, you got the power of the internet yeah, right there. Go ahead, see what you're saying. But I, I find it really interesting. Like, I feel like with the sailors that, you know, Prince Eric is sailing around with, um, don't a lot of them see... I thought that, like, kind of stripey striped shirt with the hats and the kind of ribbons on them, I thought that was pretty Portuguese. If I'm not mistaken, I could be totally wrong. And actually, originally, Sebastian, who's got, like, obviously this totally thick Rastafarian accent, wasn't originally supposed to be that. But because Under the Sea just sounded so good, like, Calypso style and all that, that they actually changed the voice character. Oh, yeah. So. Could very well so be. I, but, so I have, like, no freaking clue what, what country that's supposed to take place well, in. Uh, Anderson was Danish. Okay. It's funny. It says, Den Little Havre. <laughs> which literally means little sea woman in the which and little mermaid actually from the story is way depressing the reason why she wanted to be human is because when mermaids die they turn into sea foam but because humans have souls they get to go to heaven and that's the reason why she wanted to be a human is because mer people don't have souls it's isn't awful that, isn't it isn't that depressing it's very depressing <laughs> yeah but i mean you know good way of crafting that story sure Oh, interesting there's this whole debate over the ending too okay anyway that's a total, total that's a random tangent tangent indeed but hey welcome to nerds on film everybody yes indeed <laughs> i'm sarah ashley and i am brian moriarty it is just the two of us it is just the two of us this first time first time that's weird is it weird are you uncomfortable right now i'm used to three ways with you brian <laughs> <laughs> wow i you know i wish i had a witty response i think i'm just too tired from work too oh, i'm sorry that's no, okay I'm tired okay. from helping my brother house hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Although I really Doe. I really like going into other people's houses. Is that weird? I really like walking into You should the- become a uh, person who commits B&Es for no. What's oh. the word for that? Uh, uh, um, there's, there's, there's a name for that, isn't it? Because it's not breaking an enterer because it doesn't sound. Yeah. It's a long title. Cat burglar. I like the Trespasser. idea. Trespasser. There you go. I want to be a cat burglar. <laughs> you want to be a cat burglar? It was funny because I was like walking and I'm like, wow, all these these people live such fascinating lives. <laughs> I don't know. I think I guess it was kind of weird. Um, and none of them, none of the houses that we went to today were actually super staged. Most of them were just kind of cleaned up, except for one house, which kind of looked like an episode of like Bohemian Hoarders. There was like so, it was like really, it was really bizarre. They had so much clutter around, but the house was fantastic. And like there are people just like lining up out the door to put bids on it was really good wow so maybe apparently you don't have to clean up your house that much if the house is the house charming is really enough that good yeah yeah how do we segue into our topic because this is like uh well we did the oscars we did the oscars did oh my gosh pos- we did yeah that was a lot of fun so much fun we kind of said this on the history episode uh, a couple of days ago when we recorded it but it was great to connect with our audience mm-hmm. and the fact that we were able to see you know listen to, to have vicky and billy Mm-hmm. Our very loyal listeners uh, connect to us from New York and my cousins who are in Colorado and Southern California and all over the world be there and give us commentary back with us. And it was a really cool compliment to be able to hear that I find the ceremony kind of boring, but... But you guys make it fun. You guys make it fun, exactly. Which is weird to me because I never find the Oscars boring. I'm, I always... I love watching that every year. Well, that's why we're hosting this podcast. Right? We find it we find it interesting. Because <laughs> we're those kinds of people. Yeah, it was funny because... Uh, I was talking to my stepmom 
right after the awards, and she said she was getting phone calls <laughs> during the ceremony, and people weren't even paying attention. They didn't even know the, the ceremonies were on, and she was like, I can't yeah. talk right now. I have to, I have to go. Why? Because the, the Oscars are on, are on, and they're like, really? And I said, you don't understand the Oscars in our family. It's important. Yeah, it is like our... She says it's like the Super Bowl. It is pretty much... It is what Easter is to Christians, is what we hold Oscar <laughs> to be for film nerds. You um, know, probably. And it's from both sides. You, you sure. Either you love to love it or you love to hate the Oscars right. because you disagree with everything they say. Well, it's true. A lot of people are not into the pretentious Hollywood feel of it. But to me, I, as much as I do feel like sometimes Hollywood can be very pretentious, I there's something just so old-timey Hollywood about it that I really appreciate. Yeah, totally. It just seems very classic, which actually I think that's what I appreciated a lot about Seth MacFarlane as a host. He brought it back to old school he, Hollywood. He yeah. did a lot of old school Hollywood, but then still had his new humor, which, boy, howdy, he pissed a lot of people off, which I'm kind of surprised that, I don't know, I, didn't, I wasn't really offended by anything he said, but I also have a terrible sense of humor. So Well, I don't think he'll be asked back, but I don't think it's because he was too offensive. I mean, they've said more worse things than, than no. There, there are a lot of people who are just blatantly offended by it. In fact, actually, if you feel up for it and you haven't done so already, go listen to uh, the Kevin Smith Smodcast. Was he offended by anything he said? He wasn't, but his wife hated it. Uh, hated it really oh yeah that's kind of ironic she's a feminist but she's like really feminist and not to say that that's anything wrong i'm this is because of I'm the a feminist whole myself but it's the whole c word i think she had a problem said. with the uh we saw your boobs song oh which i thought was hilarious but whatever <laughs> yeah i Maybe, I, can, I can understand i think there should be a female host next time and we should have a we saw your wang song and that would be great that would be awesome though it would not make it on the air i don't think i think it's unfortunately there's you, too much why, why because there's a double standard in our society i'm not saying i agree with it but there's a double standard but it's okay just, for a woman to show her boobs but the moment you see a guy's junk it's but too I mean, you risky can definitely, like you can talk about how we all saw jason siegel's wang and forgetting sarah marshall if anything it'll probably be uh we it'd be probably more like we saw your abs or we saw your naked torso in this film nah nah i think they could get away with it i think after what seth MacFarlane did i think they could probably get away with it yeah, maybe. It maybe. Made it, I feel like it was a little bit more of a liberal. I, I kind of feel like, yes, it was true. It, they did relax it a lot. But also, I mean, if you watch Family Guy, you should know what you're getting into oh, yeah, when absolutely. you watch this. They, he doesn't pull his punches at all. Uh-uh. I mean, just barely. Just enough to, to prevent from being taken off the air. Right. Anyway, I thought it was really funny. I also um, think it's very cool that since the Oscars, Jennifer Lawrence's popularity has just skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Like, people already loved her. They love her even more yeah. now because Did you, of her pre- and post-interviews and her just her whole attitude and demeanor. Yeah. There was this great double take that was on camera. It was mm-hmm. behind her when she was getting a drink at the, the bar at yeah. one of the governor's balls. And Jack Nicholson goes up to her. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, and it's hilarious. She's like, no, basically, like, congratulations, good job. And she's like, oh, huh. <laughs> like it was one of those she smiles to his face and then turns around and does this whole open mouth oh my god that was jack like nicholson she mouthed it, yeah yeah and did this whole like i can't believe this is happening kind of look right it's always cool when we see well, and then but like yeah. right after that she like some like journalist or whatever was like asking her questions he's like so what do you think would be like the greatest you know what would you consider the greatest part of the whole night and she's like uh that that thing that just happened because she just met Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, and he would just treat her like anybody else did. That was like yeah. an equal, right? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Uh, well, a lot of these actors are pretty humble, too. They're just mm-hmm. people, but they happen to be, you know, idolized by millions of people. Right. You know? Well, they, and then, like, so when she tripped up the stairs and stuff, 
and then Hugh Jackman ran out to go save her, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, he shows that he really is kind of like a charming guy. He's not oh, like a... I know. Yeah, he's not just... <sighs> yep. And um, here it goes. Okay. And we lost her. And we lost her. Um, but uh, is Downton Abbey on? Is it? No, no. No, another hour? No, oh, the shit. season's over. Oh, uh, well, there's reruns. There's, there it'll, be, it'll be on Netflix pretty um, soon, But I, I just imagine. discovered that um, for the past month, we've actually been paying for HBO and Showtime, and I didn't know it oh. until now. So um, there goes my social life. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Now so Game of Thrones. Game and... of Thrones, Newsroom, Girls, The Big C. Um, I finally, because now I have it on demand, I can finally watch the last season of Weeds, which I missed. So mm. a, lot of, a lot of stuff I've been trying to catch up on. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. But one of the things that I did find interesting about mm-hmm. the Academy Awards is when we tried our best to finish the challenge. Yeah. I think none of us beat the challenge. No. It was too high of a goal. For any of those who uh, read the blog post, we mentioned that, hey, failure is okay. It's a new success. So, um, <laughs> but we did manage to compensate, though, by seeing all the short films. We did. We saw all the short live action and all the short. Animated. animation yeah now i thought they were supposed okay so let me reel this back real quick we saw this at a local movie theater um there were two in our area i believe that were showing this but mm-hmm. um they basically released all of the short films in one compact thing so you could watch it all in one sitting at whatever theater was going to have it mm-hmm. no i thought they were supposed to have the short live action short animation and the short form documentary Maybe they just decided to shorten the program because it, it was, was three and a half hours. It was long. But then they, because also with the animation, they showed all the animated shorts and then some. Like, they showed a few more animations that were just oh, right. the, critically the, acclaimed. The highly commended ones, yeah. yeah. Which I didn't even know they did. Like, that was interesting. Well, I don't think they've ever, I don't know. We don't really have much to compare it to. Have they done this before where they compacted it like this? Yeah, they have. Oh, okay. They have. This is just the first year where I've actually been able to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, but it, I mean, despite the fact that it was a very long sit with a nice, happy intermission, I thought it was really cool to be able to see everything. Totally. And what I thought was so interesting about short films is you really have to fit a very full story. You know, what could very easily be a two-hour movie mm-hmm. into what the Academy dictates is under forty minutes. Yeah, that's pretty hard to do. That is hard to do, and I think I think you need to be very clear just if. If you're going to write a short script or you're going to make a short movie, you need to be fully aware that that's your goal. Like, you cannot be wanting to make a two-hour movie and condense it. You have to be wanting to tell a very specific story of a very, like, a very specific segment, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think what I find so fascinating about short films is um, you have exposition is completely condensed. And you you only are allowed to know so much, and a lot can be really inferred. Um, and I think that forces storytellers to be more creative. Yeah, well, it forces you to, I think, understand storytelling better. Sure. You know, you can take any story and make it long form. In fact, I mean, look at Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback mm-hmm. Mountain was adapted. It was a short story. It was a short story, exactly. Um, the Swimmer, which was Burt Lancaster, I believe, mm-hmm. was adapted from a novella. You know, oh, okay. maybe 50 pages, mm-hmm. you know, turned into a full movie. So you can draw things out if you need to. It's very easy to draw things out. Right. It's more difficult to tell a story concisely and still do it justice. Yeah. One of the things I noticed with all those films is they relied more heavily on visuals than they did on, because that's all you can do. You can't 
really fill it with dialogue necessarily. Do you have one in particular that you were thinking of? Uh, Death of a Shadow, to be more oh, specific. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one was visually impactful, and I think that's probably why it was nominated. Yeah. Um, very weird, very weird movie, very cool movie, and it, it mixed all these noir elements yeah. with so a little bit of expressionism. And For those who haven't seen it, yeah. let's give a little bit of a synopsis. Yeah. The story focuses on the main character who um, we've learned throughout the process of the, of the story is dead. And he is a shadow catcher, for lack of a better word. He's got this weird, like, retropunk camera. Yeah. That captures shadows at the moment of death, mm-hmm. basically. And it's, but it's not so much even capturing their shadows. I mean, image wise, it's their shadow. But I think the greater idea is that it's their, it's their soul. Their soul, yeah. Um, and, and it's, so, it's and metaphor. It's, yeah, yeah, and it's right at the moment of death. So, you know, somebody gets shot, snap snap the picture all of a sudden you've captured their soul and then he goes and he takes it back to this guy that he's working for which you can assume is the metaphor for either death or the devil or whatever you yeah. want um and the, it gets hung up in a gallery mm-hmm. which and is very dark <laughs> it's very dark and um the guy is trying to fulfill his contract he needs to um capture 1000 souls before he can be sent back and he's trying to get back to um being alive again uh, so he can go be with this girl that he very briefly met, but right. has been obsessing over and is uh, in love with. Right. And the way you knew that is because you saw a shot mm-hmm. that there was the counter on the camera that, that said 998, 999. Yeah. And, uh, of how close he was to getting yeah. that back. And even um, the whole, actually, the, that this is actually a really good one because of um, the relationship that was established with the girl. Sarah, Sarah. ironically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's a good name. <laughs> so that that relationship was established. You know, he's running through what was it? This kind of like war torn area. Yeah, it was like a flashback. Yeah, yeah, he's running through this. You know, the snowy war torn region. I guess kind of just like a like a little neighborhood with like some buildings that are. There's like apart. a ruined castle or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, he's been injured. And he's running, he's running away, and then this girl kind of comes out of nowhere. She sees him. She wraps up his, his wounded arm really fast, and they kind of have, like, this moment, and then she goes away. She runs away. And, and then, then he's shot. And then he's shot, and he dies. Yeah. So that little moment has been this thing that he's obsessing over, mm-hmm. you know? So that's pretty much all the exposition on him that you're really given. But you know that he's got this obsession. He's got to go for it. He has to get back to her. When he goes and... Uh, he gets one hour once he completes the contract, right? I think so, Or yeah. was it one day? It was something that was like a very small amount of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then, so he's doing this, and then you find out that... Because he, he goes back to, I guess, you know, capture somebody else's soul, and then you find out that the girl is actually in love with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, purposely tries to kill that guy, or picks that guy to capture his soul... And it's kind of twisted to prevent them from ever being together again. Yeah, yeah. So it's really twisted, but I mean that. Yeah. But that's the exposition, yeah. and it was done through two scenes mm-hmm. where you learned all of that information. Yeah, and it was done with very brief dialogue too, mm-hmm. very short, succinct dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. I mean, that just shows the power of what you can um, do with this. And in fact, as we were talking for about three minutes before we actually started recording. Um, I brought up to Brian Ernest Hemingway's shortest short story, um, which is only six words long. What's it, what's it called? What's the short story called? Is it called the for shortest sale? short story? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And it, yeah, it's only six words and it's for sale, baby shoes, never worn. Yeah. Which is super powerful. But I mean, that's it. That tells you a whole story that tells you of, a you know a mother a couple whomever selling a pair of baby shoes because 
something happened that child was never born mm-hmm. you know and that's or or you know some new baby shoes and resells them on ebay or something like that but <laughs> yeah but now putting it in the context right, of when right. it was written of course clearly yeah <laughs> Um, but, but that just kind of goes to show how much you can do with very little. So yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one I, I think that was my favorite was the one that actually won. Curfew? The, yeah. Curfew. That curfew was the was one great. that we agreed on the most. Yeah. What's really tough about short films is you pretty much have to eliminate act one. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't eliminate it, but you have to imply almost all of it and focus on act two and then act three. And most of the films that you watch that are go get that level of acclaim, that's the focus. Mm-hmm. No, the, the the establishment is maybe thirty seconds, and I think with Death of a Shadow is like a minute, maybe where you understand, okay, this is what the person does, and you kind of find out how he got there throughout the process. And you could argue that if they were to make that into a feature film, that maybe thirty minutes would have been spent focusing on how he got to where he is. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, some films, are, some stories are better suited as a short story, a short film, than they are a feature film. Yeah. But then you also have movies like Bottle Rocket, which was a short film made by Wes Anderson, that. They got $5 million, and they made it into a feature in the next movie, and look what happened to him. His career was launched. This is true. So it all depends on where the filmmaker's coming from. Mm-hmm. With the animated films, it's almost entirely intended to be a short story. Oh, yeah. No, clearly. And actually, that was kind of interesting that I noticed that there was a dichotomy between the live action and the animation. And we talked about this during the, the Oscar show, but the live action ones were super dark. Mm-hmm. All the all the topics. It's very and depressing was, too. Everything was super duper dark. The animated ones were whimsical, and they all had not necessarily like completely cheery topics. There were, um, but they were all done in a cheery sort of way. Yeah, nothing there was particularly dark. Yeah, and understandable. I mean, they they've done dark stories before. Yeah, but at the same time, too, when you have a world. Or to speak quite literally, a canvas where you can create an entire world and you're bound by literally nothing. Mm-hmm. You have to put a little element of whimsy and into that's, it. And that's really cool. And I think that allows for more fun in the storytelling. I think that allows for more artistic appeal. Mm-hmm. Right? Totally. Um, Head Over Heels is kind of what I'm thinking of right now. So this is this was an animation one. But it, was it was from it was, the UK. Yeah. And it was Claymation. And it was the story of a married couple... And they live on opposite sides of the house, like literally like she is there in the scenes, all of her stuff is like on the ceiling and she's upside down and her husband's like on the floor and all of this stuff's right side up. And, but that then it flips over. Yeah. And so they kind of play with the perspective. Yeah. Um, and neither one can actually like somehow he's gravitationally bound to be yeah, upside he's, down. He's bound to be, you know, wherever it is to his. Like even when the house lands somewhere because the house is apparently floating through all this. And then when the house actually lands somewhere, she's able to leave the house and go walk about. And he can't. Like, when he goes outside, he starts to, like, fall into the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing was really kind of bizarre. And you're just, like, wondering, where are these people going with this? But at the same time, like, they're not talking to each other at all. And it's really difficult. Um, and you can tell that there's, like, some troubles with this marriage. But then they kind of force each other to see the other's perspective. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, there therein lies the the moral of the story. Yeah, 
Do we want to save the endings? or Because you can actually watch these movies online. You can download them from the Netflix store. I think store. that one's not like that big of a huge yeah. spoiler. And because uh, for that one, I think it's more about the journey. I, there's a lot yeah. of plot point stuff I didn't mention. But what's also interesting is it's not always about storytelling, right? Because look at guacamole. guacamole. Oh, that one was really weird. <laughs> yeah. Guacamole was about literally making guacamole, but it was making guacamole with things that you wouldn't associate with guacamole. Yeah. Like, uh, I thought it was interesting when they took... Was it poker chips? And then whenever they dice something, they turn it into oh, they dice. They turn it into something. D6 dice, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, they were chopping an onion, and as they were chopping it... it turns into white it dice. It turns into white dice. And then when they did it with tomato, it turned into red dice. And they did the same thing. And then when they mashed up... Um, the avocado, what did they... Oh, I don't... I wasn't it, it, like, Play-Doh or something? I think it was, yeah, just Play-Doh. Yeah. Um, very weird. And it was a live-action hand, too. But yeah, technically it was a live-action hand doing it, but everything else was animated. Yeah, it was It was um, still shot frame by frame. It was done yeah. live stop-motion. Right. And it was really bizarre. Mm-hmm. It was really... And, of course, when they put it out with chips, they were putting it out with poker chips. And Oh, that's what it was, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was very metaphorical and... It was, but I'm still kind of, like, baffled by it. Like, I, what was the point? It looked great. And um, wasn't it the shortest... The shortest short animation to ever get nominated for anything. It was like two minutes long. It yeah, was... it was tiny. It was it was like nothing. I think it was I think it was about five minutes, maybe less. But it was definitely the shortest one. So yeah, no question. And we're like, oh sweet, we're almost done. And then they show all that. <laughs> and then they're like highly commended. And Which like, and there oh. was two that were like an hour long, or two that were like combined were, like were like an hour long. Yeah, they were. Well, yeah, with the um, oh god. The Something's Child. What the hell was it? The Gruffalo's Child. The Gruffalo's Child. That one was, I was very surprised that it didn't get nominated because it was... It was really good. Mm-hmm. I think it, there was just a lot of lulls in it. Mm. It was pretty long. It was almost a half hour. Yeah. And not that long is bad, but it did feel... It felt like it dragged a little. Yeah. It felt like it would be great on PBS. Sure. Which is where a lot of these films end up going, by the way. Right. Um, that's really the only place where you can go watch short films now mm-hmm. is either online uh, there's a website called Shorts International who sponsored the event that we were at that um, allows you to basically, if you're a short filmmaker, you could sell your film to Shorts International and they basically make it for sale online. A People, distribute? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's also, um, if you're into short animation, there's the um, Animation Show of Shows. It comes out every year. There's like a, a collection of it every year and it's an organization that puts it together. Um, but at uh, our college, our college campus where you and I have both gone to school i worked the animation show shows screening as a tech um for about three years Mm -hmm. and that one's really fun so you kind of get to see like some of the best of the best from all across the world it's really interesting did you know of image makers at all Mm -mm. image makers is on i don't know if it's local or if it's on all pbs stations but um in the bay area we have kqed yeah and kqed definitely shows it on sunday nights and it's only about a half hour long, so they fit. Now their their cap is really like a seven minute story, maybe ten minutes at the most. Um, and it's like two or three. Sometimes they'll do only do two, and it's like a fifteen minute movie each um, from all over. And they really comb like the people who produce the show. They comb through, and they only find ones that have won awards at some of the best film festivals that are out there. And I'm glad you brought that up too, because that's the other place you can go and see short films. They're right. still respected at film festivals. Yes. Now there's still entirely there's still entire festivals devoted to short films. There's, Big one is around us. Yeah. And if you're interested in making short films and you're on a college campus, check out Campus Movie Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, they do that every year. They've been doing that one for God, I want to say five years now. Mm-hmm. You sign up as a team, and you're given the equipment, and you have basically like a week. Mm-hmm. or so to make a short film as best as you can and then um 
there's, you know, the regional winners and then they move on and then, you know, somebody wins like the whole shebang at the very end. Yeah. Um, But they have drama, comedy, that kind of stuff. And it's very cool. Yeah. Can I take a second to talk about the one who won the animated Oscar? Paperman. Oh, God. Yeah, please. So Paperman. So good. So amazing. So, of course, you see the Disney moniker on it and you right away you go oh okay we're in for something good at least you know it'll look great it'll look great but disney when you think about it that's how they got their start they they've done nothing but animated shorts continuously since the beginning yes i mean they were the ones who broke new ground and did the first animated feature with snow white yes so you know they know how to tell a short story and tell it really really well well and they know they know the impact of visuals in and conjunction whimsy. with the story. Yeah. yeah. And whimsy, too. And whimsy. Oh, well, duh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Disney. But <laughs> such a great movie. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. It makes me cry every time I watch it. And it's partially that. It's also partially the score. The score, the is, score is beautiful. Beautiful. And it's that contemporary percussion. You're not right. sure if it's synth or drum, then great orchestral chords that are going through, through mm-hmm. the strings. Very well-composed movie. Impactful use of color considering that there is virtually none of it none except for one spot which is the lipstick yep on the paper airplane yeah or the uh, what ends up becoming a paper airplane yeah but interesting how the metaphor that when something is touched with love it comes to life mm-hmm. you know because the paper airplane doesn't come to life until it's totally thrown away yeah <laughs> yeah um and it can command the other ones i thought that was so actually amazing that was one thing that i really liked actually is when it did start when they all the paper airplanes started kind of swirling mm-hmm. and doing their little wavy thing sorry mm-hmm. for those of you who haven't seen it yet i kept thinking exactly i totally was thinking about the freaking broomsticks yeah and i was like that is awesome I thought that was a nice little throwback. And then I think about it, and I say, of course this movie's great. Look at the executive producer, and it was none other than John Lasseter. Mm-hmm. Now, John Lasseter, for those who don't know, did a little movie called Toy Story. Yeah. Uh, but not only that, aside from being high up on the board at Pixar, who does phenomenal short films as well as feature-length movies, he's now in charge of Disney Animated Studios. Mm. So he runs both mm-hmm. divisions now. And rightfully so, because this dude won a Student Academy Award when he was going to CalArts. He won, like, two short Oscars just when he was in the starting phases of Pixar. And then he goes and wins a special Oscar for Toy Story because of his achievement in making a, the first computer animated feature-length movie. Dude knows how to tell a, tell a story. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. And the fact that he was able to oversee that project. And he may have just said, hey, do what you want. We trust you as filmmakers. Nevertheless... When you put your name on that kind of project, you know the quality right away when you look at that that name. Right. You know? So, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Would you say the pa- Paper Man is your favorite of all the Pixar shorts that you've seen? Well, it's not really a Pixar short. It's okay, sure. Disney not, slash Pixar. Um, not that. Because Pixar's part of Disney. I think it's the best of what was out there this year. Okay. It's really hard for me to say it's my favorite of Disney slash Pixar, uh, period, because Pixar's done some really great stuff. And I'm kind of surprised that La Luna didn't get nominated either and that one was so good so that was the one that was before brave and that one was really really cute for the record paper man was associated with wreck it ralph so if you get it on dvd you'll get to watch paper man um on your own if you want to i think it's also still free on youtube too you can find it if you do do some digging i had i had to do some digging when i went to go see it the first time okay because i think they started pulling it down oh yeah well because Um, it's now an academy award-winning movie so yeah yes um but i think La Luna was really good, but I think probably one of my favorites, just probably humor-wise, is 
Oh, God, I can't remember which one it was in front of. Um, but it was the the one with the magician and the rabbit. Oh, Presto was a genie. It was amazing. It was so freaking funny. I laughed so hard yeah. watching that one. It was great because there's no dialogue either. I just love the rabbit. He's just pointing to get the carrot in his mouth, and he's got that angry look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps giving him other things to pull out of the hat. It's yeah. whole, it is truly, truly yeah. hilarious. I think it was um, in front of Wally. Oh, yes. that you're. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorites, though. Mm. Um, is actually the one that was in front of A Bug's Life. <gasps> the chess player! Jerry's Game. I yeah. love that one! That old man is so freaking cute. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that old man, I think they made a cameo of him because he... His character caricature is appears in Toy Story 2 is the the toy restorer. Oh, the guy who fixes Woody. Yes, yes, yes. He yes, looks yes. very, very close to that, yeah. that character. I Those ones are so good. They're yeah. so good. Uh, Night and Day. Oh, Night and Day was great. And that was interesting, too, because that was largely two-dimensional too yes it was mostly 2d except for <laughs> this one's kind of hard to describe it's literally two like personifications of night and day of night and day yeah so you have an entirely black background and then you have these two-dimensional like again personifications they're just kind of like people mm-hmm. generic genderless people um cartoony of course but in their bodies like what's making up the the space in their bodies is like a night scene and a day scene and as they're, like, moving across, they're just playing with this landscape. And the landscape is all 3D, but the, the personifications are, are 2D. Yeah. It was really, it's so, it was so much fun yeah. to watch that one. It was really, really clever. And, uh, like, to me, being someone who has studied film, I kept thinking, how the hell do they do this? You know, like, thinking about the sheer technical side of, okay, well, clearly they just animated the backgrounds. But then, like, how do they mask it? How do they do it with while well, the mask was still animated and all that stuff? And that was more or less after the first time watching it. But mostly you're just kind of enthralled with just this funny little quirky story about night and day. So, yeah, yeah that was a great one. That was really, really and great. And that one, I mean, and that one had no dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that was an entire story told about night and day mm-hmm. getting along. Yeah. without having any dialogue right and that one was also just very interesting so again yeah. it kind of shows you i guess the flexibility of of short animated films yeah. but it goes to show that you can communicate so much more with sound i mean you can't yeah. do a movie totally silent because even silent films have scores have a score yeah to them that can communicate something well, i can, don't know maybe you could do an entirely silent film i don't want to say you can't it would be it would be it interesting would be off-putting yeah it would be off-putting but i found I, would, I found it more would, off-putting because there was no score to it yeah yeah so yeah, it, which i actually like the fact that there was no score because yeah. it felt like real life life you know, does not have a soundtrack unfortunately that's true <laughs> um what i find really sad though is that there used to be a time where no matter what film you went to you would get a short in front of it and that doesn't exist now you kind of get it with pixar you get it with disney films still yeah they're bringing that that trend back mm-hmm. now didn't they do that with tangled or mm-hmm. was it afterwards um, was before or was it after? Well, I know there's a short based there's on Tangled Characters that yes. was done with the... I think it was done with the... What was the one before Wreck-It Ralph that they did? It came out this year as well. Beauty and the Beast in 3D. Yeah, which was also <laughs> really good, of course, because... Yeah, well, that was that one was interesting um, just to see certain elements of of it look, you know, very, very three-dimensional and like, Yeah, wow. well, you know why, why that is, right? Yeah, yeah. Disney, of course, invented, or at least the studio invented the multiplane camera. Mm-hmm. So now that you have the ability to actually t- tell things in actual three dimensions, you can make each plane a real dimension and therefore... Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that seemed very cardboard cut out, which was kind of funny. Yeah. It seemed to me more like... Um, it reminded like a diorama. Me, well, it reminded me a lot of like 
if you were to go on like the old fantasy land rides at Disneyland. Oh, right. That's what it felt like well, to me. They're still there, actually. I'm, well, yeah, I'm, yeah, but I'm just saying like that kind of old style, like you're just driving through cardboard cutouts, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that very much like you're literally jumping into a storybook mm-hmm. kind of feel. But to take it back to short films, <laughs> sure, long films. Just it makes me sad. Really, the shorts you get are the trailers now. And I, I don't want to. I can't support this with any data, but. I think the more and more we put emphasis on the coming soons, we put less and less emphasis on the shorts. Maybe just people stopped getting interested, stopped showing interest in shorts. Yeah, I would be interested to know when they kind of phased that out. Because mm-hmm. I know it was it is in effect well into the 40s, mm-hmm. which we're talking maybe. Well, and it was also, there was news breaks. Right. You would see news, you would see propaganda, promotional yeah. films. And that makes sense because there was this is pre-television, so sure. that was how people would get their news. And it was also a nickel to see a movie, too. Maybe that's maybe that's what happened. Maybe it was the transition into television, so then all of a sudden you could have Looney Tunes or mm-hmm. Disney shorts playing on your TV. So people would... Because, you know, the thing is, is people kind of shuffle into the movie theater while these things were playing. Mm-hmm. So maybe having a television in your house just kind of eliminated that yeah. need. I always swore... That if I ever get a chance to make it as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. as a director, that I would put a short film in front of every single one of my features. You think so? I would do it. Would you have them be related at all? Or? Not necessarily. But it'd be interesting, though, if you... Well, I mean, you're not going to be like playing a rip-roaring comedy right before a tearjerker. No, exactly. No, you want to <laughs> keep it totally appropriate. But um, kind of like what, what Toy Story can do, where they've... They've been able to create a world of characters, and now that the Toy Story characters exist in little shorts. Yeah. As we learn to know that character, you can tell shorts about them in front of other movies. That'd be kind of a fun thing to play with. Yeah. As far as, like, doing a short that is now somehow in plot connected to the the feature film, I don't think I'd ever do that. Unless it was, like, maybe something, like, in the same universe. Yeah, like you said, have the characters. Um in the same universe but in a different that would be context, interesting though right? to tell a little short story in the front mm-hmm. and then that somehow ties in like way into the story of the feature yeah. movie that would be very interesting a friend of mine actually was in a um i guess it, i think it might be a feature length i haven't watched all of it because it's in segments online um but he was featured in this movie and his character is the only one who doesn't have a backstory and so um he talked to the filmmaker who wrote the movie and everything and he was just like okay well i'm a writer do you mind if I take this character in this world and write a novel about it? And uh, he's like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> and so now he's writing a novel based on this character that he played in a movie that has absolutely nothing, you know, no story tied to it. So he's creating a whole story for him. And um, that way it can be kind of in conjunction with the film. And he wants to do like a whole big um, creative endeavor about it. And I, so it's kind of cool to not be limited hmm. in that regard. Yeah. And that short films could kind of give you that possibility. Yeah, and it's interesting to see that you usually don't see a character who is based in film translate into literature. You know, I mean, granted, this is at a microcosmic level, but it's still kind of cool to see that that cross fusion right, of different mediums. Right. I mean, you have books go to movies all the time. Why yeah. can't you do it back? Well, I mean, I guess they did. They had a lot of books that were written after like a movie would come out. The novelizations, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I remember reading the the one for the Goonies. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that any good? It's all right. Yeah. I mean, it's, the movie's better. Yeah. There's the novelization <laughs> and there's the junior novelization, the yes. one that's toned down for kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what fascinates me, though, is that since we're, we were talking about Disney for a little bit and their short films, mm-hmm. there is a short film that no longer exists. What do you mean, no longer exists? 
Well, it means that it either... The, I don't remember if the project never got completed or okay. if they lost it, but I'm trying to... Uh, I was about to say, if it's on the internet, it exists. N- oh. You say as you're scrolling through your phone. As I'm Exactly. I'm trying to find it. Disney did a take on Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, really? Yeah. That would be pretty actually pretty fascinating to see. Because if you think about it, that's the only major fairy tale they never adapted. Well, they haven't adapted Hansel and Gretel. Hansel, well, that's true. But why do you need to do that when you have Jeremy Renner doing it right now? <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. Yes, yeah, so it was a 1922 Walt Disney cartoon. So very early on, because 1927 was, I believe... 1937 is what it was. Sorry, we just saw the museum right. about it, uh, Eric and I, just a week ago. I am pulling up a site that has questionable credibility, but we'll just say it rhymes with Schmickopedia. <laughs> <laughs> that was what you came up with? Why don't you just say it's Wikipedia? Um, We've definitely talked about Wikipedia plenty of times before on yeah, this podcast. It's, it's a cited article, so I think we can, we can trust it for the most part. But according to Wikipedia... <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Going to Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> Just merge Family Guy and How I Met Your Mother into yep. one. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood is a, from 1922 is a Walt Disney short cartoon that is a rendition of the traditional story, of course. Oh, that's why, because it's not his own. It's from the Laughagram series that was released in 1922. Oh. And one of his first ever Walt Disney cartoons. Little known fact, did you know Disney actually produced the cartoons for Universal originally? Really? Yeah. He was a character called Jack the Rabbit. Oh, that's right. Right, right, right. Yes. I don't know if it was Jack, but it was a rabbit character. It is the rabbit character, and that rabbit character is now heavily featured over in California Adventure. Yes, because they bought the rights back to the character. Yes, they did. They did, indeed. And he has lots of trace elements of of Mickey Mouse, if you look at it really closely, Mm -hmm. too. Well, it was because he was a more mischievous character. Oswald the Rabbit is what it was. Um, He was more mischievous and... um, turns out mickey mouse like in his very beginning days was also very mischievous and kind of twisted interesting before they softened him up i just read a very interesting clause here the film was considered to be lost for many years and it was listed in 1980 on the american film institute's 10 most wanted films for archival preservation a print of the film was discovered by a british collector in a london film library in 1998 and was restored the same year that's so it does exist holy crap that's awesome. That's yeah. a cool story. It's very cool. And if you look at the, the stills from it, it's a very not what you would expect Disney's style to look like at all. This is before he really honed his... Yeah, that doesn't look any... That does not look Disney-ish at all. No, but if you go to his museum that he has in San Francisco mm-hmm. that's devoted to his life, a lot of his early animations were very much departures. Okay. Of, um, he didn't really hone his style down until Snow White. Okay. Where you got these kind of these accentuated rounded eyes yeah. and more of a close to real life, but still a suggestion. Right, right. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. I've always wanted to see that movie, and I have it. And it's interesting even more because it's black and white, too. Yeah. That would be kind of cool to see if we could find it somewhere or if they were doing a screening of it somewhere. Gotta have to like pound on AFI's doors saying, Can you show this movie, please? Yeah. Screening, screening, yeah. please. I was kind of disappointed that Disney said that they were not going to do any more classic fairy tales as part of their 2D animation initiative or as part of their animation production, period. And it's sad because there's stories that I would love to see Disney do their take on. Because you know right away now that they're going to do a spin on it. Sure. And it'd be, I think that maybe it'd be cool if they did it in short form because then it's not their main devotion, but they can still mm-hmm. explore those territories. 
and maybe do stories that fairy tales kind of work in either way they can be featured or short well yeah but i mean if you look at what they have done and what their most successful movies are they are all fairy tale adaptations but there's only so much you can do so seeing the success of pixar creating their own stories and really branching out beyond i think there's a lot available to them it sucks that they're saying that they're never going to do it again but i like the fact that they're looking to branch out yeah well they'll never say never right never say never there's a lot of stories out there still to be told. Mm-hmm. Not every story's been told. Yes, sure. I mean, a lot of times they have fundamental archetypes that go all the way back to Beowulf, but still. <laughs> sure. Well, was it Joseph Campbell says everything is just a retelling of seven stories? Yeah. But the, I guess that's kind of why I think short film is so much fun is because, all right, yes, we are sort of retelling the same story over and over again. Here's it in short flash form. Yeah. One of the takeaways I can take from the showcase that we went to was that you have to create a world in a very short period of time, mm-hmm. let the audience really embrace that world, mm-hmm. then you're pulled out of it. It's really a challenge. But it's also kind of fun because you get really this full palette. It's like you're going to a buffet of stories. Yeah. And we did really see pretty much every type of story right. when we were in that theater. Except for the major laugh-out-loud comedy. Yeah, okay. I'll, was, I'll give you that. There was no real slapstick happening. I would argue that Lisa's worst oh, daycare. Oh, okay. The worst I daycare. I forgot about that one. Yes, that one been. was good. If you, that was great. It made me re- it made me remember why I liked The Simpsons so much way back when. Yeah, and it really just shows, again, how great of a storyteller Matt Groening is and mm-hmm. his team is. Yeah. So well done. And Fox, of all people, doing an animated short. You that would, was really cool. Fox hasn't done animation since Titan AE. Yeah. That's probably why, because it didn't do it all that well. But still, that was that was really awesome. And, and you're right. It is kind of like seeing a whole world and then being pulled out of it really fast. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like when I walk away from short films, I'm coming away with more to think about. Because even though it was all, it's all very, again, compact and it's short, but it's, it's very – everything is up front mm-hmm. and, and just out there. As opposed to, um, you know, something really long and drawn out and then you kind of have a slow burn with it and then you really get lost in the story and then you get really lost in the characters. And then when you come out, it's kind of like a slowly, like you're slowly waking up from a nap or something like that, you know, where you just... From a weird dream. You're like, what just happened, you know? But for short films, it's like, bam, here's the story. Here's these characters. Here's the exposition. Did you catch all of it? Mm -hmm. And, um, and... Usually I find sometimes that there's more meaning in that. Yeah. Um, and, and short films tend to be a little bit more deliberate yeah. because they have to be. Yeah. In a weird way, it's almost vaudevillian. Sure. Because you have this showcase of these little, little acts that, I mean, yes, if you're talking about musical review, maybe you have these scenes that would eventually tie together. Yeah. But everyone have, would have these acts in between. And you do kind of have to tell a story of some kind. Yeah. When you're doing short form performance. Mm-hmm. Question for you. Yes. What is your favorite short film Ever. Oh, I can't say ever. Ever? I, you know, I, I've what's, seen... What's what's really hitting your button right now? Well, only, it's only because... Not that button. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There was this one video I saw. <laughs> it was, did it involve Downton Abbey as a <laughs> short form? pterodactyls. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> oh, God. Cut that out. Cut that out. Um, well, what's sticking out in my mind right now is, um, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking, wow, I have no shame. <laughs> uh, None of us have any shame. Are you kidding me? Uh, this has been a pretty tame episode, though. I know. Well, I don't know. 
Because we're being serious for once. We're, we're being serious for once. That's weird. Yeah. We also haven't, like, warmed up. We, there's no booze in front of us. That's true. Because <laughs> well, we're going to someplace where there will be alcohol, more than likely. Yes. So. I think the ones that are really standing out in my head right now are just the, the Oscar-related ones. I'm also not, like, super well-versed in short film. I, I think I, I appreciate it more as a, as a concept. And hell, I've helped make some short films and stuff. Like, yeah, you know. myself included. Right. Well, I mean, if you think about it, most filmmakers go through a phase where they have to make at least one short film. Well, most most filmmakers start off making short films. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the ones who are really damn good at it are the ones who end up becoming the really good feature length directors because yeah. you can understand that. But also, it's weird because now there are some. Maybe not so much now because of the recession, but before the recession, to get funding for a movie, sometimes you had to do your movie in short film form to see if it was worth yes. providing the funding to do the full thing. Yes. So it has a marketing, uh, or actually rather, it has a very important fundraising necessity to it. And I do, and I think that is really good experience for a lot of filmmakers and for anybody who's looking to tell a story. Most most writers start off with short stories too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't usually set out. And sit down to write the next great American novel. You usually kind of start exercising your your fiction muscles by writing short stories. Mm-hmm. And I think it is really important because it kind of understands, or it gives you a chance to learn to not be so wordy, um, to kind of save yourself, save your words, and and understand where the impact lies. Yeah, you know, you don't want to spend three pages on a super long description of something that you can knock out in one paragraph. Totally. What I think is, I can take from the films I've been involved with, is the importance of editing. Because mm-hmm. no matter what you think, no matter how concise you think you're shooting, you always overshoot. What intends to be a five-minute movie ends up becoming a three-minute movie. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot of a difference, but really think about it. Two minutes on film is a long period of time. Yeah. In this case, that's 40% of what you thought you didn't need. In a YouTube culture? Hell yeah. And to tell a 10-minute movie on YouTube is... Like, most people don't have the attention span to watch a 10-minute movie. You, know, you have to get them, like, right away. Mm-hmm. Hook them in. Maybe they'll watch it if it's part of a web series, but they won't make effort to watch a short film. Ooh, actually, you know what? I can't believe I just thought of this now. There is a weekly column, question mark, I'll call it a column, um, online on Ain't It Cool News um, called Saturday Shorts. And it's been going on for several months now. Basically, it's the guy just collects um, short films as submissions from other people or he'll find them somewhere, whatever, get permissions to, to play them. And it's usually like five or six short films. Sometimes they're animation, sometimes they're not on the website. Mm-hmm. I used to sit down and watch those, but killed uh, it took up a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it's a time investment to, to sit down and want to watch a bunch of short films. Yeah, and I appreciate the title, too, because it calls back to what they would do on Saturday days just mm-hmm. to get the kids to behave. They would just put all the cartoons together into shorts, and they would yeah. watch them back-to-back. Right. Or serials, of course. Serials, mm-hmm. a lot in a lot of lost art form, because yes. um, we now have this television pretty much mm-hmm. now in a longer form. Do you know about snag films at all? Snag films is pretty cool. They're a website. They also have an app on. I, I just realized I shook my head, and you, they the listeners can't hear. No, no, no they'll just, just hear the wind of your hair. <laughs> <laughs> my earrings rattling. Like, or like, something. Oh, oh, yeah, she shook now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's okay. I was mid yawn. <laughs> it's right. So snag films. They are a website, and they also have um, an iOS app. I think I don't know if they are. They're on Android. They probably are. It's a way for you to see independent film. Think of it like Shorts International. It's a distributor of some form. And uh, they do show a lot of documentaries. 
but they also have short films. Um, the short documentary that was the basis for the sessions, for example, oh. was because it was based off of a real author who was yeah. yeah that is now on snag films. It's, I think it's just over forty minutes, so it's not quite Academy territory right, that no feature length, but all right, I'm gonna have to check that out. Absolutely. That's yeah. very interesting. That's actually one thing I, I feel like I wish I was more well-versed in um, short documentaries. Because, again, impact, huge. Because normally if something's a big enough topic to do a documentary on it, that's a huge topic. That's something you really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and having to condense that into a short form, whoo-wee. Yeah. That feels, just the idea of that actually kind of... It just it seems like a lot. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like if you are writing a research paper and you like tap into something and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, this is great. And then you're, you know, way too many pages into it and you got to got to cut it down because, you know, your professor's not going to read all that. Guys, there is so many places where you can go and watch short films, old and new. I'd like to give a few out if you're interested to look them up. Of course, we talked about Shorts International. If you Google them, you'll you'll pull them up right up. Snagfilms.com. IFC, right? The Independent Film Channel used to do a whole short showcase. They would do, I think, like once a week. Yeah. They would show a lot of short films there. Turner Classic Movies shows a lot of old short films. And, you know, they're not all great, but you can get to see the art form mm-hmm. in full effect. Keep in mind, The Three Stooges never had a feature from, like, the movie. They're All their this their is, movies this, this is true. are all short. Unless you count the more recent movie that Nobody's came out. counting that. No, thank you. Uh, thank, I wasn't counting it either. Um, no offense to the actors who were in it, because they're all good actors, but, you know. It just was not a successful movie. Yes, yes, indeed. Go out there and check them out. It's an art form that is struggling, I think. It won't ever die altogether, but... Not if you still have college kids making these movies when they're in school and learning about the form. Yeah. If you want to look up animation show shows to see if you can get your hands on that DVD that comes out every year, um, or if there's a screening anywhere near you... And then, of course, you can probably you can find a lot of stuff on iTunes and, and such. Yeah, check out your local film festival too. Mm-hmm. Um, I guarantee there's going to be a short showcase if it's not an entire festival dedicated to short films. Which there are plenty of those out there too. Yeah, and I find those actually a lot of fun um, to just kind of see what people in the area, people who are you know probably friends of friends, making movies and what they've what they've got. And I mean, hell, even if you if you know creative people and if you're a creative person. Try to go out and make your own short film. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work. It's a pain in the ass. Um, you're lucky if you actually ever finish it. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I can. I can, we can definitely that attest. One. Both Brian and I can attest to unfinished films. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I have two short films that I've never finished. Yeah. For various reasons. Oh, I think you were in one. I was actually. in one of them, were, yeah. and then I was producer and acted. You acted in it too. Yeah. Of one well, of David's. I was pretty helping producer. David shot the movie, and then yeah. Well, he um, wrote it. I you, helped him write it, too. Yeah. It, no, it gives you appreciation for the filmmaking process. Yes. You know how hard it is to get a movie made now. Right. Uh, even if you're doing it for a $100 budget, you know. Or if you're doing it for yourself and even just for, for YouTube. I mean, hell, I just, as a joke, one afternoon um, had my brother shoot a little kind of just blog-style type video that I was doing just for funsies and just for friends. And... Um, the editing process of just the hour or so footage that we actually filmed um, was a pain in the ass because my brother's, you know, he, he was the one who edits it because I don't understand editing programming very well. Um, well, I could teach you. Well, and I, he has, um, I think it's Final Cut or whatever, mm-hmm. but he was editing it down and he and I were just getting into arguments over the whole thing. And I'm like, oh. this is, this is like a freaking three minute video. It doesn't need to be <laughs> anything this crazy. 
but it was very successful. Like everybody loved it. And oh, you have you have no idea how many fights can take place in the editing room. Oh, I know it's crazy. Oh my god, it's really crazy. Sean can attest to that because he edited <laughs> he edited my first movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, Le Clowns. Yeah. Oh my god, that one was so freaking funny. If you guys are interested <laughs> at all in seeing my short film Le Clowns Les Reçus, which means Margaret Clowns. Um, <laughs> Shortened to just Le Clowns. I totally forgot yeah. about that. We, we originally were going to call it, because we looked it up, what it, what Mugger Clowns would be in French, and it's Le Farceau de Le Reçu, but mm-hmm. we're like, that doesn't sound as fun as Le Clowns de Reçu, yeah. or just Le Clowns. Yeah. So, um, and it literally, literally the story is just very simple. It is a man being chased by clowns yep. uh, who mug him, and you see a little surprise at the end. The original, actually, you can see both versions on online the color version that was original and then sean the brilliant editor that, editor that he is yep. did a black and white version and totally changed the black and white cut is way better it's totally way better and i will gladly admit my own faults as a, as a director with that uh with that first film and that sean that shows just how powerful editing can retell a story yeah you can take a movie that is maybe not all that great and then Mm-hmm. flip it around well even then like with the walking dead's now um being aired in black and white yeah and just... taking color out of it too is yeah pretty powerful mm-hmm. well, anyway guys you can uh you know follow us and stuff and uh <laughs> that'd wanna, be kind of hang cool. out with us online you can yeah, go to yeah, nerdonomy.com cool. but if you don't want to that's 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 we cool understand. we'll just we'll, we'll we'll find something i know i had stuff to do anyway it's um you know i'm just i'm really looking for <laughs> someone to <laughs> to uh to spend time with right now no i'm kidding <laughs> Guys, Brian's lonely. He needs a friend. So you should email him. I'm totally kidding. At Brian at nerdonomy.com. <laughs> do we want to go with this? Do you want to go with this whole yeah, social yeah, awkward? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. I want the social awkwardness. And you know, if you're like a single male in the Bay Area, hey. Uh, Sarah can be reached at Sarah at nerdonomy.com. Um, please put in subject. <laughs> Um, I I I, don't, I wish I could say something funny. I don't know. And my brain well, is really shot. Well, I was thinking shot. penis size, but <laughs> oh, penis size—that's so a little so inappropriate. Put, yeah, so <laughs> subject. Line. I was thinking more like a dear Abby kind of thing. Oh, like sleepless oh. in Seattle kind of thing. Oh. But get priorities, dude. <laughs> Twelve inches of awesome. <laughs> you know, that would be. Uh, I guess that would uh, that would be your dear Abby. Okay, for your... seriously, please don't send me those emails. I think that's, that's, a I think creepy. that's I think that's the episode title. <laughs> Twelve inches of awesome. To go along with you know what? five minutes of awesome. We'll five say that. Five minutes of awesome. There you go. There we go. Okay. Because that's what short films are. Five minutes of awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes sex. <laughs> five minutes, huh? I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying, hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically speaking, Sean. What was it? You don't have to pay for it if it's under five minutes. <laughs> Was it under five? I thought it was under 30 seconds. I, uh, maybe it was under 30 seconds. I don't really remember what that was, but yeah, that was, was really funny. <laughs> from, a, from a previous bit, yeah. Yeah, previous episode. But yeah, I remember that. Um, Apparently, Brian and I have gone delusional. <laughs> we, we have slipped slowly into madness. <laughs> okay, anyway. You can also follow us uh, on Twitter, at Nerdonomy. Mm-hmm. And please, go to our website, nerdonomy.com. Check out all the cool stuff we've got on there our blog of course and you can email the whole nerd crew from there and uh and give us your feedback we've got a nice big button on the front that says hey absolutely. tell us what we're doing wrong or right mm-hmm. or maybe, what would you like to see more of too right what, what are we doing mediocrely is that right let's what go are we with doing it. okay at yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, this is just where we're getting in the energy, too. Kaboom. Kaboom. <laughs> Slow start. Yeah. Powerful finish. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so oh, I'm so that, sorry. Um, oh, gosh. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Have a great week. And roll credits. Roll credits.